This episode of the Supply Chain Brain Podcast is supported by Barcoding, Inc., a specialist in mobile technology and wireless innovation. Be sure and stick around after the discussion for a look at the company and what it offers to customers. But now, on to the podcast. Mobile technology is advancing at a blistering pace. How can users keep up with constant updates in software and hardware? Hi, everybody. I'm Bob Bowman, Editor-in-Chief of Supply Chain Brain, and this is the Supply Chain Brain Podcast. Mobile technology has come a long way from the old barcode scanners of 40 years ago. Today, it covers a wide range of devices, tags, and software systems, all of it designed to enable pinpoint status and tracking of goods within the warehouse and throughout the supply chain. On this episode, we talk with Greg Henry, Vice President of Client Solutions with Barcoding, Inc. He'll bring us up to date on the latest developments in mobile tech. And at a time when the life cycle of devices and operating systems is drastically shrinking, he'll provide some advice on how to painlessly migrate to new technology. So here is my conversation with Greg Henry. Greg Henry, welcome to the show. Thanks, Bob. Our topic today is keeping pace with changing mobile technology, and I think we're going to spend most of our time talking about the warehouse, although we can talk about how it's ranging outside those four walls as well. But just to get a start on this discussion, what is going on in the warehouse today with regard to changing mobile technology? Well, Bob, a lot of it's really wrapped around the folks migrating from the Windows mobile environment to the Android environment. As probably most people know, Android is now the leading mobile operating system, and Windows Mobile is no longer being supported by Microsoft. And so there's really two options. It's Android or iOS. And when you're specifically talking about the warehouse and the need for ruggedized devices, Android really is by far the leader. Now, Microsoft, uh, the Microsoft platform has been around for many years. Why the change now? Did Microsoft itself elect not to continue supporting it? Is there something about the Android technology that's superior? Why the switchover? At the end of the day, Microsoft has decided to focus their energies elsewhere. They're moved really focusing on cloud now, and they chose to basically walk away from the mobile environment, and they have, over the last several years, put out plans to stop supporting the various versions of the Windows operating system. And in January of 2020, Microsoft is officially out of the game. So why Android over iOS, which of course is Apple's mobile technology platform? Why is that the platform of choice for so many operators right now? Yeah, really it comes down to the simple fact that Apple is a closed environment. The Apple OS, iOS only works on Apple product, which means their tablets and smartphones. And so the folks that build ruggedized mobile computers 
iOS wasn't an option. And Android being the leading consumer product right there, when you talk about consumer operating systems, your choices are really Android or iOS. And so the ruggedized device manufacturers by default picked Android. So what does this actually mean in terms of what goes on in the warehouse floor and the users themselves? A whole new range of devices, a whole new slew of actual devices, I would guess. What is involved in adapting to this new technology? Lots to think about. The industry talks about it from the standpoint of, hey, it's an OS change, but it's really much more than that. It is all new devices, and those devices come in various form factors. So there are keyboard-based devices, um, very similar to what was available with the Windows operating system that are now available on Android. There's a lot of new touch devices available, and where the devices are really going is there's just so much more horsepower with the processors, so much more horsepower with memory, that we're seeing applications such as voice really working well now on these new platforms. Was that not the case? I mean, voice, of course, has been with us for many years, too. Was there a problem of voice integrating with the old devices? I wouldn't say there was a problem, but like all technology, over time it improves. And with the additional capacity of these new handheld devices from both a hardware and a operating system, the quality of the voice is so much better. The flexibility in how you develop applications around it has significantly improved. So it's a lot easier to work with it, and you no longer need, you know, in the early days it was you had your handheld and another box, basically, that you wore on your belt that was the processor for the voice engine. Today all that's right in your handheld. So it's fewer devices, fewer components, and just much better quality. Should we take that word handheld literally? I mean, are these devices, in fact, to be held in the hand? Because there are, of course, the, there's, of course, the future and the possibility of wearables and things you can strap onto your body or, or access another way. But is that indeed what's going on here? We're starting to see some of that. So there's, you know, it's still traditionally, especially in the warehouse, it's still traditionally a gun shaped kind of device being used. There are the wearable devices that are got a scanner you mount on the back of your hand and a wrist kind of mounted display console. We're beginning to see vision systems where heads up displays are beginning to show some popularity. They've been around in early prototype stages for a long time, but we're beginning to see that technology take off more in the transportation kind of field service application for like maintenance workers that need to see schematics on equipment. We're seeing that more in that field rather than the warehouse. The devices are getting smaller, they're getting lighter, they're more rugged, they're sealed better. As with all technology, everything gets smaller and tighter and faster. Yeah, so we're not, this is not a discussion in any great depth about virtual reality or augmented reality tools or anything like that, right? No, we're, yeah, we're not really there yet in any mm-hmm. practical way. But do these devices actually do things and do they offer the ability to do additional tasks that were not possible with the old devices? Well, not only that, but they're doing the same task much better. There's a huge movement right now, and we're doing a lot of work with our warehouse customers around what we refer to as modernizing the traditional Telnet interface. Back up. Yep, right. <laughs> I don't want to get too technical and in the weeds, but what are you talking about when you say the uh, the traditional Telnet interface? Okay. Most devices in a warehouse 
run what's called a telnet interface. And it's simply a textual-based interface. Think of it like the old green screen or DOS technology we had where it was just a character-based interface. And that was, and it still is, very prevalent in the warehouse. But when you compare that to your smartphone today, it's all graphical, right? There's icon, there's pretty display boxes. There's lots of different colors. There's different shaped icons and various character sets that can be used on your smartphone. And what we're able to do today with this modernization technology is provide a new user interface to that warehouse worker that looks much more like the consumer device they're used to, but doesn't require any changes to the code on the back-end server. So it's all done in the handheld. It basically takes your existing textual-based interface and overlays that with a customized GUI interface. And when you think about the warehouse worker, we got folks retiring, we got new workers coming in to the industry. They expect that consumer look and feel. And so with this technology, we can do this now, whereas the Windows mobile devices, there just wasn't the horsepower to be able to even contemplate doing this kind of stuff. That's probably the one thing that's really taking off in the space. Although, of course, I imagine you say the kind of consumer-like experience, but the devices themselves are ruggedized. They're protected against extremes in temperature, against drops to cement floors and things like that, right? Absolutely. Yes, the hardware is still what the warehouse is used to, but the user interface, the user experience is much akin to their experience of their daily life with their smartphone. All right, so the workers march into the warehouse one day and they're handed brand new devices on this edition on the Android platform. What is involved in the learning curve, in training, and what possible disruptions might happen in the operation while everyone's getting up to speed on these new devices? When I said we talk about it, it's more than an OS change. You've hit the key to this thing. So it really is you're changing your OS, you're changing your hardware devices, In many cases, you might be changing the peripherals that you use to charge those devices. There's a whole new section of education on the user, and you got new things to think about as far as support in that Android, there's a new version of Android every six months. In the Windows world, we got accustomed to the last five or six years. It was pretty static, and nothing changed. And so now you not only do you need to train your users on here's a new user interface, but you also your IT staff needs to think about how am I going to keep up with these updates that come from Google and security patches and such. And there's lots of tools that you can use to automate that. But getting back to the user, the beauty of this modernization is, yes, it's different, but if you use the modernization techniques and you involve your user community when you are creating these screens, you can make them very intuitive. And you think about all the apps you download from your app store, they're very intuitive, right? There's no education, there's no user guide, there's no manual, you just mm-hmm. you just get it. You and just so start, doing, start playing with it, start working with it immediately. You're right. Yep. Uh-huh. And that's what we're doing now in the warehouse space as well. So you don't anticipate then any long learning curves or any possible disruptions as we switch over to these new devices, it sounds like. I mean, clearly there's got to be some time that it takes for people to get up to speed, but it doesn't sound like you're saying it's going to be that serious. Yeah, it's not that serious. It's a day or two. If you take somebody through, a new user will require a little more than an existing user. But I've been 
personally in warehouses where we've done this modernization process and handed these to existing users and they just immediately get it because the vocabulary is the same. So what we were able to do is take the existing function keys, F3 as an example was something that was used a lot, and we put an icon with a back arrow and we put the F3 character set in the middle of it so that existing users can correlate the new visual identity of the application with the vocabulary of the previous application. So it's not really a case of having to make the case for upgrading, is it? It's really a burning platform. I mean, you, can, you can't continue to use the Microsoft platform because it's being discontinued. So really, everybody's got to go forward anyway. Sooner or later, that's the case, yes. When we talk about the user community, there's early adopters, there's laggards. There's nothing to prevent you from continuing to use your existing Windows mobile devices other than there's no more security updates coming. So every day that goes by, you're a little more vulnerable to security issues. Soon, the manufacturers will stop producing those devices, and you won't be able to get new devices. And then there'll be a point where the manufacturers won't repair them anymore. And yes, there will be third-party companies that will keep this equipment in play for several years. But like I said, every day that goes by, you're just... Putting off the inevitable. Yeah. 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 I mean, your, your, your 1980 Ford Pinto eventually has to be retired. You point out, you say, for a number of years, we had the Windows platform, and it was essentially pretty static. Now you say Android comes out with updates every six months, but beyond just updates in general, do you think that the general life cycle of this technology is shortening so that big changes come along more often and that we just have to continually adjust on a more frequent basis? Absolutely. I've been in this industry for 30 years now. When I started in the industry, DOS was just introduced, and the DOS operating system came from the PC environment, and it was in use for a little over 10 years not a single change. The operating system had no changes. The hardware itself had no changes. If you bought a device day one, you could buy that exact same device 10 years later. And then along comes Windows and Windows Mobile, and the device was probably more like a five-year lifetime. You could continue to get similar devices, but there would be a display change, which would require a new software driver for that display. As we look at Android, the Android operating system is really targeted and designed around the consumer world, which has a 12 to 18 month life cycle. The ruggedized manufacturers are generally saying that they can support three versions of a particular release. So that gives you about three years to run without having to worry about upgrades. But there will come a point where your device you purchase today, at some point in the future, will no longer be able to support the current operating system upgrade. It's going to shorten the overall life cycle of devices. I think three to five years is probably realistic to think in those time frames. And it just means you got to rethink the way you're going to deploy these devices and support these devices going forward in that you may find yourself six or seven years from now with several versions of operating systems that you have to support as opposed to oh one which customers <laughs> are used to today. Okay, well, in the short term, though, what is your best advice for a company planning to migrate to and manage an Android-based mobility platform? So it's really to think holistically. you got to build a plan. 
you got to think about not only what hardware device or devices do work best in my environment, how am I going to train my folks and keep them current? What is the key things that my IT group needs to consider? And And the number one thing there is ongoing support, primarily wrapped around how often do I upgrade OS patches and updates as well as applications. Think a lot about that. Make sure you've got some type of mobile device management platform in place so that you can easily keep these devices updated. And recognize that you're not in this alone. There's hardware and software partners out there. There's integration partners like barcoding. You don't have to be responsible for this. The most successful companies recognize that they're good at what they do and they partner with folks that are good at the mobile computing world to take care of that for them. Greg, tell me a little bit about barcoding, about its history, about how it managed to get such a great generic name before anybody else did. I mean, how far back does the company's roots go? The company's been around about 25 years. It was founded by an individual by the name of Jay Diamonds out of his apartment in Baltimore, and he came out of the data collection space, as well as most of the management team and a significant part of the company today are all kind of grew up with the manufacturers and then have migrated into the application and integration space. Today, barcoding is a very large nation, or actually we've got um, three offices in Canada. So now we are North American coverage of the U.S. and Canada and specialize almost exclusively in mobile technology. Um, We do also do barcode scanning, RFID work as well, um, but really focused on working with major folks across the retail and manufacturing, warehousing, kind of the supply chain, and helping them automate their data collection and information needs. Well, you've been in it for a long time, and I I think this year we we marked the 45th anniversary of the debut and first scan of the barcode. You're right. When you guys launched, what you were doing was quite different from what you're doing now. I mean, barcodes were more basic, and your services back then were more straightforward and basic and limited too, right? I mean, over the years, how have you built on that initial support and, and added solutions and services for your customers? Yeah. So in the early days, it was literally barcode scanners. And I kind of refer to it as you just pointed and it went beep. And that barcode was decoded and handed to a machine that processed it, whether that was a cash register or a PC or some kind of automated manufacturing equipment. Today, we're really focused on solutions. We have a software development group that builds customized applications Um, We have a software product line called IntelliTrack that is focused on data collection for vertical applications such as inventory, asset tracking, 
mail delivery and so forth. We do a lot of staging and integration services as well as offer 24 by 7 support for our customers. So how do you expect mobility technology and the service that you offer to further evolve? And things aren't standing still as we as we discussed in our earlier discussion. So where do you think this is all going and where do you think it might be going for barcoding specifically? Well, we're really focused on the future. It's really interesting with the advent of the consumer smartphone, iPhone world. There was a lot of concern five or six years ago that those um, devices would replace the ruggedized space. And what we're really seeing is that the consumer world has expanded our opportunities in that there are now lower cost devices and there's lots of applications that don't need rugged devices. So not only are we continuing to grow and provide additional solutions to our traditional warehouse and transportation, kind of those guys that need ruggedized devices, but now we're being able to move it into hospitals, libraries, lawyers' offices, and your remote sales guy. So we're really focused going forward on not only continuing to support the existing ruggedized market, but moving into that new green space of the probably good term is a light duty user of mobile technology. Well, there's certainly a lot of uh, interesting developments that we're going to be seeing in the future in this market, and we're already seeing fast changes, as you indicated. But Greg Henry, I want to thank you for kind of bringing us up to date on what's going on with regard to changing mobile technology generally in the warehouse, and also what's going on with barcoding as well. Thanks very much for being with us today. Appreciate it. Really good talking with you, Bob. That was my conversation with Greg Henry of Barcoding, Inc., talking about the cutting edge of mobile technology for the supply chain. Our thanks to Barcoding for sponsoring this episode. We're online at www.supplychainbrain.com, where we post a new episode of this podcast for streaming or downloading every Friday. You can also read my Think Tank blog, watch thousands of videos, and access all of our other content, including the digital edition of our magazine. Look for us on Facebook and LinkedIn, and follow us on Twitter, at SCBrain. You can also download or subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Got any comments or suggestions on this or any episode? Email me at rbowman at supplychainbrain.com. See you next time.